podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a That's Marine's other phone number? What? You need his palette still? No. I think this is the right one. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. I called your other phone number by accident. Oh, what happened when you did that? I, it was like, you've uh, got the, this is a fail. This was a number, it's a, a failed call, something like that. Oh, you, that must have made you feel kind of bad about yourself. Uh, yeah, it did. It made me feel like irresponsible. A failure face? Yeah, a failure face. I felt irresponsible because I should have deleted your other number, but I didn't get around to it. Um, yeah. Bad and, friends. Bad friends. And it resulted in an error. It did. I fail. So, how are you feeling? Do you have the coronavirus yet? Or co- Not yet. How about you? Co- co- COVID-19. COVID-19. Um, What's today? March 8th or something? March 8th. Yeah. International Women's 2020. Day. Mm. Happy International Women's Day. We're women. Happy International Women's Day to you, Beth. Yeah, it's such a relief. Uh, to have a holiday, I don't feel obligated to celebrate on social media because I'm already a woman. It's great. I don't have to present myself in any sort of way online. No virtue signal needed. It's just yes, yeah, celebrate me day. Woo! It's like your it's like your birthday. It is. It is like your birthday. Everyone. It's not. It's not for us to. Uh, you know, talk about women, you know, whatever. We, we're women. We do that every day, right? No, it's for other people to celebrate us and to let so us... So men, you mean, the only other people there are are men. Or tra- trans-masculine men trans, need to own up. Right, I mean, you know, true. I assume that up. the Women's Day includes, like, self-declared women. Self-declared women, yes. Um, and, yeah, so it's, I'm feeling pretty great about that. Although, I, so I do feel a little sick, and my boyfriend is sick. So Does I, he have a fever? He doesn't have a fever. He has, like, a dry cough, a little bit of a sore throat, and he said his nose is starting to run now. So the runny nose and the sore throat, I don't know. Look, I read this, like, a week or two ago probably uh-huh. but i believe that runny nose sore throat like is more of a cold like covid 19 is a fever mm-hmm. cough and like shortness of breath well we'll have to see but like so the way i'm feeling it's kind of like uh dryness and kind of like i have a little bit of a post nasal drip yeah um and yeah i don't think that's it yeah, I don't, I don't feel like, uh, really, it really doesn't feel like anything. I also kind of think it might be just paranoia and it also might just be because the weather is changing so drastically. 
That's been happening to me. I I feel like I have allergies. Yeah. Like, if you're, like, real itchy and stuff, a lot of the time that is allergies is my understanding. I'm not a doctor. Well, like, in any case, I don't know. I have hand sanitizer, like, literally right next to me. I just, I just sprayed my hands right now. I mean, are you in the world with other people? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing a self-appointed artist residency at the free library. I'm at the free library. I know that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in the cesspool of germs, like. Yeah, I mean, you live in the city. I live in the city, um, but so, but today though, I mean. Not like me in my ivory tower of suburbia. Well, you got to watch out because you're at that Amazon, you're near the Amazon package facility. I know. I think about that too. Like the Wawa or something is like tainted. I mean, I, my work is, I'm dealing with people all day. You know, it doesn't, Uh, we have shared workspaces, you know, like I'm always touching stuff somebody just touched and like I try to wipe stuff down once or twice a day. Like I've been trying to, but I feel like so many people touch it. Like eventually I'll probably get sick. I um, also sanitize my phone regularly. That's a good idea. I have not been doing that. I mean, I clean. I, I clean houses. I'm up in people's shit. So yeah, you literally. are. Literally true. Um, but so the other thing, uh, Wawa at Wawa, they were wearing gloves. They're wearing gloves at Wawa in Center City now. Um, the, pe- the people that work there. Yeah. I mean, that's good to protect themselves as long as they don't touch their faces with the gloves. I know, right? Yeah. Or eat with the gloves. Like, that's the thing is, like, the gloves, they, once you have them on and touch something, like, you can't touch anything. Right, exactly. Otherwise, you miss the point. And I keep saying this, man. What? In my job, I have to, like, stick my finger in dog spots all the time. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, I need gloves. And if we have, like, a glove shortage and I can't get gloves at my job, it's going to be a problem. Now. Because I can't go, I can't go in their raw dog. That's disgusting. No. <laughs> um, no one expects you to do that, Marine. But glove, there is a. There's probably going to be a glove shortage. There's. I know. You know. Um, I needed to get. Um, I ran out of Clorox bleach. Uh, I like to use Clorox bleach in my bathroom. Um, for the tile, it's just the best way to clean. Um, the tub and the tile because it really gets all the stains out. And uh, they were out of it. They're out of the Clorox bleach. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I knew that was going to happen. That was like yeah. what I heard. I had to get Ajax. I had to get Ajax. Um, I oh, saw, how do you feel about that? I like powdered bleach. I'm totally fine. I like Ajax. It's just that what's annoying about it is it's hard to then clean like your faucets and stuff because it's powder. So it's like, I don't know, you yeah. wet it into a paste and then spread it all around. It's just kind of more annoying, but it totally works. It's not... Yeah. A big deal. It's just a little bit more annoying. It's not as convenient. Um, I like Comet. That's a powder cleaning yeah. product that I like. No, Comet's great too. I like. I they they're also better for getting out even more tough stains. Um, I think on in your tub, um, but uh, and also they're better at getting out um, like a mold and mildew in your cracks, cracks and crevices of the mm. bathtub because it, the powder mm-hmm. like really sets in there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I, Oh, well, I mean, I feel like too, we should say you're listening to two hosts from Delco with, um, Beth Heinley and Marine Cummings. 
Uh, um, my name is spelled B-E-T-H-H-E-I-N-L-Y. And that's N as in no. And if you want to find me on Twitter, that's all lowercase no space. B-E-T-H-H-E-I-N-L-Y. And Maureen is Maureen Cummings. That's Maureen's name. Her last name is, well, her old name is spelled M-A-U-R-E-E-N. And your last name is spelled C-U-M-M-I-N-N as in no, G-S. And no means no. And then if you want to find Maureen on Twitter, it's at mocom99. Now, this is where it gets confusing because Maureen's last name is coming, C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. But on um, Twitter, she decided to do mocom99 with one M. Yeah, I did um, just, I stopped it there. I just decided to do three letters and not four. Well, because you wanted to How's be associated. No, you just wanted to be associated with cum. That's why you did that. You um, want to be associated with cum. You're a, you're a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Gus just like died. Gus just like laughed out loud downstairs. Here. <laughs> um. Well, you're a slut. And anyway, so um, it's M O Mo C U M. Just one M. Like come ninety ninety nine, and that's um where you find Marine on Twitter. And, um, yeah, so, and today's episode is we're going to be talking about, um, antinatalism. The good part about cum is it can be a verb or a noun. It can be a verb or a noun. And, and it's something to think about, um, in pertaining, uh, to antinatalism. Cum's a big part of, uh, of, uh, this philosophical, um, uh, philosophy and and uh you know because it's to to come or not to come well i mean everybody should come no, where do you where do you put where the come is the question where do you put the come is the question yes um and uh but also but before we actually talk about our topic we like to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff beforehand um and in, instead of talking about the topic right away and we uh, have a couple segments to help us do that. And um, I decided I thought we should add a segment. I thought there's not enough um, segments. Another segment? It better be replacing one. I don't know about that. Well, so the apology section's been pretty lame. Yeah, that's done. Not to be ableist, but it's been lame. And, yeah, uh, I better apologize. And so it's been lame, kind of retarded in the French sense. I mean, oh man, retarded in the French sense. Yeah, I mean it in the French sense, as in it's been lacking, because um, uh, that's what retard uh -huh. means in French. Okay. And um, so you know, I'm, I don't. I think we're gonna keep the apology section. Please keep writing in and asking us to apologize. We are Sorry, white women, and I have some white women screenshots that I want to um, read for the apology section today, since we really don't have a lot to apologize. Well, actually, last uh, our last episode was actually pretty offensive. Um, it was horrible. Did you? Was, oh, you I listened mean, to it? No, actually, I didn't, but oh, okay. I, I was kind of, like, afraid to, because I felt like the whole time I was, like, negative and yelling and stuff, but you know what? We were right about fucking Elizabeth Warren. We were right about Elizabeth Warren, but also uh, with that show, we were right to hate that show. 
It, it was. It was a display oh, of, of woke capitalism. It totally sucked. And also, I, I'm i taking an um, Arabic to English conversation um, exchange at the free library. That's and, amazing. Yeah, we meet every Monday and like, um, I'm learning, I'm learning Arabic, but it's not like I'm taking a class. I'm like in conversation with people who speak Arabic who need to that practice. That is awesome. Yeah, and they're practicing speaking English, but it's like a cultural exchange. Yeah, and, that's really, really cool. And you're doing this at the Free Library of Philadelphia? Yeah. Like, like, things like this exist? Yeah. And it's just like a independent kind of like people just meet up. You're learning from each other. It's not like you have to pay somebody or no, things like that. No, it's totally free. It's part of the library. And, like, it's set up by people who are members. You know, well, anyone could be a member of the library. But, yeah, it's totally – it's just a conversation set up. That um, is cool. See, that's the stuff I want to see in the fucking news. <laughs> <laughs> going like, going to the library and doing... know. these are the things I want to know that the library has has things like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they do. I don't need to see the same shit over and over again about like as much as I see that Biden has cognitive decline, I don't need to keep seeing stuff about it on the fucking news. Well, I can say that we are all in my Arabic to English conversation group for socialized medicine. We actually talked about that the last time because um, the uh, I forget his name. He only came once, but um, he's from Saudi Arabia and he's taking, um, he was, and then he was, lived in Japan and he was getting his doctorate in economics in Japan. So he speaks Japanese and um, Arabic, obviously, because he's from Saudi Arabia. And um, so he's like a genius pretty much. Um, and, but we were talking about, I was asking him, what was it like, what was healthcare like in Japan? Because I hear Japan is, is like one that has one of the best, um, universal healthcare systems. Like the life expectancy in Japan is the highest in the world. Uh, and we were talking about basically how great it was. Cause like even him as a student living there, um, on a, you know, visa, it was, yeah, you just like, you're sick, you go to the doctor, there are co-pays, it's like, it covers like 70% of your, of your care, though. So it's like, you're paying like $10, whatever. Right. Um, and yeah, it's really great. Anyway, That's we, were, amazing. we were talking about um, socialized medicine, and they were like, we just want to you are you guys for it? Because like, the other three of us are like, straight up Americans. And we were all like, yeah. yes, yes, actually. Um, and actually, uh, the one woman who organizes the group works in uh, medicine, but she works in, like, preventative care, like, um, like offering vaccines to, like, Im- immigrants, like, um, uh-huh. but I forget what the official service is. It's, it is a government um, service, but I forget. Uh-huh. I forget. Anyway. Um, like she doesn't work for the CDC, but it's like something associated with that. Anyway, um, my whole point in even talking about this though, did I have one? Oh, we were talking about the designs for different future show and everyone had actually seen the show and because they were asking me about, you know, oh, you're an artist. And I was like, yes. And they were like, have you seen, because it's the recent show at the art museum. And I was like, right. yes. And I was kind of like afraid because like I hated it so much to like talk to them about it. And they all hated it. <laughs> I mean, it really was not even like pleasant to walk through. Yeah. Like it just was very like 
confusing kind of to walk through and um it was hard to even yeah and I didn't really enjoy myself there was a couple pieces that I liked but that and it just really wasn't that impressive it wasn't really you know um and um but I guess we should apologize but as much as I would get into it like I again with the I feel like I was most insulting to non-binary people when we were talking about the the gender neutral clothing line that that person was talking about. But I definitely think there was like, yes, we all want a future where cis sexism doesn't exist. But forcing everyone to dress gender neutral is actually really problematic and not okay either. So, (laughs) but, um, it, that I think we were like we were really not into the the um, the gay um, dating app thing. I don't even remember what the piece was. Oh, grinder. The- yeah, the grinder. It was like grinder, but they were doing what were they doing with it? Like, I feel like there was something Shakespearean about it or something as well. I don't know. All the world's a stage on Grinder. Oh, I don't, right. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I really, I don't like that. Uh, it was very commercial, like, cr- like commercialized app, you know, um, dating apps. Like, that's right. depressing. I don't, like, it's not even, it's depressing. And it's not the future. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's already a thing and it's not futuristic. Like, a lot of this stuff was just like, not like it wasn't really futuristic at all it was things that already exist but i would say probably now at this point that we've seen the show like probably have existed for a couple years to in order to be in the show right and also uh but we should apologize for being like just consistently hating on the show the for the entire episode that couldn't have been pleasant to even listen to because like right it was kind of an angry podcast it was an angry podcast and then also it was like uh there was a it was recorded like i mean not our recordings are never good um but that's because we're two hosts from delco but Uh um the quality was especially bad i couldn't put the intro in for some reason when I was like trying to put the um recording into GarageBand it was like speeding up the recording and I tried all the ghost and machine things I was like no everything's right it's like 44 megahertz or whatever the speed is everything was fine it was playing fine on my computer but every time I copied and pasted it it was just speeding up and it was annoying so I had to just upload straight from my phone so not the best episode and we apologize for that we're sorry I'm not. Um, and then I wanted, I should get a white lady apology screenshot album set up so I can separate these more readily. Um, what's that? I'm excited to hear what you got. Yeah. Um, well it was from a while ago. I am, um, I apologize for this lull here. I'll edit it out. Just kidding. I'll, I never edit it. She never does. Um, is this one? Um, oh, this was like, this was like a person who's, I hate people. This is, I guess, a racist confession, but like people on Twitter. Oh, this was like a racist confession because people on Twitter, I have a screenshot just to be like, they're annoying. And of course they're Elizabeth Warren, um, supporters, but like yeah. they're like 
white people using like black um, woman language by being like period and um, you know and they you know superimpose like lyrics from Lizzo applying to like Elizabeth Warren's campaign or something I just like really find that obnoxious to use like you know like yeah well you know what I mean when when you're not Joe black was and in South Carolina Warren. and what? he was talking about the blacks and like how he could count on support from the blacks. Like, I don't, it's very weird. The whole white politicians boost being boosted by other white people saying that like the black, the black people like the politician. Yeah. Um, let's see. I had a screenshot from, well, one of the, this one Twitter user, his name's Ben Mora, was like called out um, by uh, the Daily Beast, wrote an article, and they posted all his mean tweets, and they're saying how Bernie Sanders supporters are mean. Uh Um, But I screenshotted like one of his, uh, one of his tweets. I'll read it once I find, God, this was too long ago. Uh, uh, this is me filling space. Uh, this is so interesting. Uh, 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 Today is spring forward. We sprung the box forward. In one hour. Get rid of daylight savings time at the end. I can't believe I still can't find this. Yeah, I can't either. Not very well prepared. How unusual. I know. I'm usually so well prepared. <laughs> I'm so upset about this. Hold on, maybe I made an album for it already. God damn it, I'm so upset because it was really funny. Ugh, Arden's bow? Did I put it in here? I didn't put it in here. God damn it, this is so annoying. I'm so mad. Um, you sound yeah. like very pouty. Why don't you do a racist confession while I'm looking for this tweet? I don't have another racist confession. I'm looking. I really don't have a racist confession right now. Um. Well. I don't have, have you been feeling racist towards, well, you know, um, I have racist, (laughs) are you listening to yourself? I have racist feelings, (laughs) I have racist feelings, like, at first about coronavirus, because I'm like, why do these viruses always come from China? From China? Yeah. And I'm like, what? they're assholes. 
I mean, but I that's I, not I true. I'm sure there's reasons. There's no. like a lot of people, and it's not right I think to. It has to do with the animals, and but the thing is, I feel like an idiot. The yeah, exactly. You do because um, it's not these viruses don't always all co- always come from China. It's just like a matter of like you know. Um, damn it! Why the fuck can I not find this? It's just a matter of, uh, because they come from, like, animals, and it's just a concentration of, like, you just, you just don't actually know. And to assume that you know where the next virus is coming from or where they, where they come from the most is, um, mis, um, misinformation. That's not how you, how viruses work. They don't come from a particular region. It's, it just seems that way based off the media and, like, how we talk about it. Gotcha. So that's my racist confession. Um, okay. There was actually, there was an art gallery in the Affordable Art Fair in uh, Great Britain recently that asked one of its art handlers, um, I forget the gallery, but if you just, you know, or if you're interested, just Google it and you'll get all the information. But uh, they told a um, art installer because they are Asian that they shouldn't be at the art fair they shouldn't come and help because of people being um paranoid about asian oh my god yeah because of the coronavirus it makes people anxious to have them around (laughs) wow and i can't even believe that this white lady was this fucking ignorant to like be like totally write this email what a boomer what a fucking boomer write this email that their artist was obviously going to screenshot and share all over the place because it was so fucked up. Write an email asking them, I'm sure you understand, <laughs> like thinking it was not like it was totally okay, they're, what they were doing. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that just, for me though, I'm like, that is so um, systematic, so representative of the art world in general like how fucked up the art world is because that was able to happen that wouldn't even happen at like an office for like you know some corporate office they would even know better than to fucking do that yeah because they would get sued um you get sued in the art world the art world's fucking rich people too but it's just more like cultural did i Mm. oh okay here we go Oh, wait. This is a black person, actually. I don't know why I saved this. I'm going to just start reading it. Um, I guess I thought it was funny for racist or um, for the apology section. I was suspended for 12 hours for being racist against whites. It was not my intention to offend the white community. That's not who I am. Some of my closest (laughs) friends and family are white. I will be donating to relief agencies for people suffering under the Iowan regime. (laughs) so this is a um, black person obviously and they're on twitter they're at tell ushk um and their representative uh they have a sandwich emoji as their whatever (laughs) anyway i guess i thought that was funny um okay here's a white lady apology and this is sincere i upset people with the gold hoop earrings i posted and want to apologize (laughs) I didn't know that it was appropriative, appro- 
appropriative, and I realize now that I should have known better. I try to do my best, but I'm still learning. Twitter's opened my eyes a lot, but I'm still ignorant in some ways. That was a white lady uh, confession, confessing about wearing gold hoop earrings. Which is like totally, every time I hear that, I, I think a different thing. I'm what? like, what? I was. I feel like I want to see these two bearings. What is she, well, what is she really? Yeah, that's about? what I mean. I wanted to see them too, and she didn't post a picture. So, and she obviously deleted the tweet where she was wearing the gold hoop earrings. See, I think like like gold hoop earrings, depending on how big they are, as for white women, where I'm going to give white women some advice here. If they're really big, I mean, I don't know. It depends. I feel like some white ladies can pull it off and not look racist. But, like, um, I think specifically you want to steer away from the bamboo, big gold bamboo hoop earrings with your name yeah. in them. Like, you can't have your name on your earrings, and they can't yeah. be oh, yeah. bamboo. Unless you're from South Philly. No, I will see, South Philly in the 90s, Maureen, I think even well, a I, woman yeah. in the South Philly, a yeah. white, what's that? I said, yeah, that's, I meant, like, from South Philly. From not South, like you yeah. moved to South no. Philly to live there. No, not even. Even if you're from South Philly, if you're a white woman from South Philly, today you can't wear bamboo gold hoop earrings. I, Fair I th- enough. Yeah, I really. That's the rules. The, those are the rules. I don't, I don't make these rules. I'm just like, you know, also though, I got to tell you, if you're from South Philly and you're, you know, alive today from South Philly, born and raised, you don't want to, you don't want to wear bamboo gold hoop earrings with your name in them. I'm telling you, they're not into them, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, okay, maybe they are. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know the what um, Italian women like to wear in their ears, but um, I think that the gold with the names—that's like for for not for white people. Um, uh, at least that's that's what it seems like to me, and that's what it seems like if you were. To no, do that. no, not for white people. Well, I could try it out. Like I could try it out for you guys if you want. Like I'll get well, some. Try wearing the earrings and see what happens. Yeah, I'll I'll get some and like get on the bus and see what happens. <laughs> Death. And I'll let you guys know if it's okay or not. But I'm guessing it's not okay. Actually, that would be a good social experiment. Like just try different gold hoop earrings on the bus like every day to see the reaction. See when it and narrow yeah, it see down. when the reactions start. And see, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like what we went to Catholic school and you know, we weren't allowed to wear uh, hoop earrings that were bigger than a quarter. Remember that? And yeah. would, people would test the limits of that at school every, you know, girls would be like, maybe they won't notice it's as bigger than a quarter. And, uh, you know, you would see if the nuns would notice, and that's how you would push the limits of the dress code at school. So, I mean, it would be, I'm guessing this, in practice, I could try this um, for white people, for white women, to know when they're appropriating another person's culture. Um, and, yeah. And uh, I can get back to you guys on that. Yeah, publish those results. <laughs> Um, anyway, those were the not problematic at all. Those were the two. Those were the two apologies I had. Um, and technically, one of them was from a black person making fun of white people give, doing social media apologies. But I will. Uh, I promise to do better in collecting them, and I will start an. I will actually start start an album 
on my phone so I can find them faster as well. And, um, you know, uh, you know, and I'm just also just sorry for being a white woman. I'm apologize for Elizabeth Warren for not endorsing mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders and Me too. furthermore going on a comedy sketch show, making jokes about not endorsing Bernie Sanders when we need fucking health care. And, yeah. uh, that's not it's funny. Not really funny. That is cringe. That is fucking cringe. Yeah. Like, what? what is she thinking, actually? Because, like, seriously? I mean, I don't think any... I, I don't expect anything from her. She was a fucking fake progressive, and mm-hmm. I feel like she was here from the beginning to detract from Bernie Sanders, and she's mm-hmm. still do, trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. And I actually... I like... Well, we'll probably make up, but I lost a friend this week because... Um, I was so pissed off on Twitter. I was like, I mean, I don't think my tweet was really even that bad. I, um, was talking about just like Biden and Bernie and Warren. And I was like, Warren, it was like after Super Tuesday. And I was like, Warren is a loser. It doesn't matter. Like, if you want to keep supporting her, like, what are you doing? Like, she's not winning. Um, and, um, somebody tweeted at me, I won't say any names, but they were like, that's like way harsh. And I was like, and, and like it, and they were like, it's not a good look to, to be, yeah, it's not a good look, sweetie, which really pisses me off because I'm just going to, this whole civility bullshit, like, fuck you. Like I'm, I'm, I have 500 followers on social media. I'm not like a big important person and I'm pissed off after Super Tuesday and I want people to have healthcare and I want us to get the Green New Deal. I'm like, we only, we have very little time on this planet even fucking left. Like we, like, we have like, okay, the, 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 um, you know, the uh, subjective timeline is after 10 years, if we don't do anything, if we stay on the track that we're doing, we're talking about end of times, like irreversible climate change. We only have 10 fucking years. And, and that's just some bullshit subjective fucking timeline that doesn't really mean anything. But if you think about it, uh, it freaks me the fuck out. Okay, so I... Which is a nice lead-in to our topic. Antinatalism. Exactly. It is. Um, I wanted to add one more part to the segment, though. Uh, okay. And Great. The, the other part of the segment that I want to add is, or the other segment I want to add to all the segments is uh, the uh, Adelco section, because I feel like People tuning in are probably tuning in because of the title of our podcast, Two Hosts from Delaware. Yeah. And we never, we don't really talk about, we talk about Delaware County outside of our accent. Like, we definitely have Delco accents. But what else uh-huh. are we offering um, those those uh, tens of listeners that are tuning in because they're from Delco? Um, so I wanted to add a little Delco section. And I thought this week, uh, the perfect... Uh, Delco section we can add, which was an article that you shared on your Twitter, which is the first uh, coronavirus. Uh, people got the coronavirus in Delaware County. Delco. So uh, where did these people? Where where are these people in Delco? Um, 
that had the coronavirus? Were they at Wawa? Where what na- what part of Delco was it? Springfield. You're asking me. Yeah, you're the one who posted the article. Yeah, I feel like it didn't say specifically because that was why I was looking at the article. Um, but uh, I did. I thought I on the radio I heard them say media. I think. And that was why I, like, found that article, because I heard it, and I was like, oh, my God, Media, Pennsylvania, and I mm. looked, and it said Delaware County, so I guess it's media, but I could, again, be spreading disinformation. All right, well, here, I got this article up. It says, Delaware County experienced its first brush with coronavirus as a woman who had traveled to a part of the United States where the disease is present was confirmed as one of the two presumptive cases. Uh... The woman's being self-quarantined for up to 14 days in her own home. Uh, They're telling you to cover your mouth. Don't touch your face. Cover your mouth. Don't touch your face. Right. Uh, Please, put up your hands. (laughs) um, The case in Delaware County is not community spread. This individual had recently traveled. They were trying to be like, it's fine. Um, I know. I know. There have been 12 deaths world uh, in the United States so far. But, yeah, you're right. They're not saying exactly where the woman lives in Delaware County. Right. For a reason, I'm guessing. Because they uh, don't want people... Probably. Yeah. They don't want people to freak out. Um, does she have children? There's nothing about this woman. Right. Yeah. I mean... This is just silly. Honestly, like I'm sure that there are plenty of people with coronavirus right now. Like we just don't. There's no tests. There's very minimal tests. Like tests are just starting to become available. So of course, there's no. You're hearing very few cases because of the lack of testing, not because of the lack of cases. Like if there's no tests, you're not going to hear of any cases except the really severe ones and the deaths. Um. Well, the. Recently in Delaware County, a second grader died from the flu in Delaware. Wow, I did hear that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the flu kills, too. <laughs> the flu kills, too. The flu kills, too. I mean, Wash I don't... your hands, because the flu kills, too. I don't remember this, but I felt like some years when I was little, I got the flu shot. But I also remember there was times where people were like, you have to get the flu shot when I was little in school. I thought they didn't have it until we were a little bit older. I don't remember it as a kid. I just remember it in, like, college being a thing. But I could be completely wrong. Oh, this poor little boy. That's so freaking sad. Well, what? yeah, I mean, uh, it's just so sad. Like, and I hate to say this, but, like, you know, they could have gotten a flu shot. That's, like, you yeah. can't fucking say that. Because, um... You just can't. I'm sure the parents feel fucking horrible um, about it. Yeah. There could be reasons he didn't get the flu shot, though. I don't know. I mean, mean, you know, there could be medical reasons. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I mean, if you get the flu shot, you're not going to... You're not going to die from the flu. It'll be, like, less That's not necessarily true. The flu shot does not cover all strains of flu. And you can oh, okay. still get sick from the flu, Ugh. even if you, it just, like, minimizes yeah. it. So there's, like, okay. All right. 
Wow, it's really fucking sad. Um, people should be yeah. dying from the fucking flu, especially yeah, little they kids. Do that. Um, they do. There's a lot of people die from the flu. I one I read that so um, Donald Trump was like, there was like sixty eight thousand people died from the flu. I I didn't know that. And uh, I, I heard that. <laughs> I read later that his grandfather actually died from the flu. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Did you see his dumbass "Keep America Great" hat too? It's Ew, no. It's got him. even bigger. It's even bigger letters now. He looks like a fucking clown. Like <laughs> he, he looks is like ridiculous. A- He's just such a fucking joke. Joe Biden is such a fucking joke. I like, know. We cannot, uh, dude. Michigan, Pennsylvania, yo, Delco, I'm begging you, vote for Bernie Sanders. We cannot have Joe Biden. We just can't. We cannot. He'll, he will fucking lose. He, he will- is the last person that is going to be able to stand up against Donald Trump in a fucking, this is, I mean, it's like seriously bullshit. It's yeah. bullshit. I don't know what people are thinking. I feel like. I feel like well, they're afraid. I feel like you can't have been watching these debates and still support Biden. Like no. I'm just baffled. People who did support him, it's like a fear-based vote, and they're they yeah. don't want to vote for him, but they think that Bernie's too risky because of the whole socialist thing, and I know. and they're just doing it because they think more people will vote for Biden. So they're exactly. it's fear-based, and it's also the news media is so. <sighs> fucking bias and and it's real and most people watch are watching the news and the news is a corporate backed fucking bias like network they like i try to tell people this they are all of them are all of them are we don't have commercials democrats are not your friends like the democratic establishment is not out to help us they're not no. And like, if you, I mean, I just feel like a lot of the people, especially the people older than us, uh, like, or our age, but like who, especially if they're like comfortable, you know, kind of didn't watch the debates and just remember back to when like, oh, well, like, you know, of course the guy who was vice president who's running should like get a chance to like be the president. Like, I feel like that's kind of how politics was always sort of presented to me mm-hmm. in the world not like by my parents but like just in general that was always kind of my impression mm-hmm. and um I just feel like people still like have that impression but like really like there's another choice um I think that people who I see the fear-based thing like going for Biden and like feeling like he's safer but like it's just he's not going to be able to hold his own against Donald Trump like mm-hmm. it's ridiculous ridiculous to expect that he will and again and we're not being the democratic establishment hand this fucking thing to donald trump if we have joe biden be the democratic presidential nominee in my opinion and it's not ageist because we're voting for the older guy (laughs) it's not ageist like it's not i don't think that he's got cognitive decline because he's old i think he's got cognitive decline because he forgets people's names on stage you know, so the stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. like, he really seems confused at times, like, and it's not, it's not like people are digging up these, like, clips. It's, like, his fucking debates performance, like, his performances on the it. debate stage that are of concern. If you look at him, like, talking even in the earlier, like, segments of him talking where he can actually speak for, you know, 10 minutes straight 
just like 10 years ago. And there's a difference. You could see the difference in him from just like 10 years ago that like I was listening to him like argue with like Elizabeth Warren about banks and bankruptcy and when she was going after him on all these bankruptcy bills and shit. And he was, obviously he was not arguing on the right side, but he was coherent. And I was like, wow, that's insane how different he is from then to here. Versus like Elizabeth Warren, it was 10 years ago, but you know, she looks different, obviously. Um, You know, we all age, but like she's talking like the same where he he is a completely different person from then to now like it's so it's really insane that people don't aren't are voting for this man because it's totally fucking irresponsible and i think his family is fucked up too for like i agree i've been saying that since the fucking beginning too what's that i've been saying that too yeah his family is disgusting that they're letting him um run I, if that was my father, I, I mean, I would do everything I, in my power to, to get him. I would speak I to mean, the press I mean, they maybe myself. are. Maybe they are. We don't know. Like, no, they're still, not. Because they, they don't speak, have any power over him. They could speak to the press against him, too. They could but do like, whatever you? they had to do. Like, I would do whatever I had to do to get, like, my dad to not run. If that was, if that was him talking about corn pop and shit. Well, I mean, I agree with you, and I do. I feel like if I feel like a family, you should kind of be like getting together and maybe having a sit down with them and saying, like, is this realistic? Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's get into antinatalism then, um, since we're in, we're getting black pilled here as we're talking about the uh, the more we talk about the presidential race um, at the present time. Um, but, uh, that reminds me, the other section, the other segment of our podcast is the recap, but I consider us talking about, uh, we talked about the last episode for a second, so we did all the sections, um, and (laughs) in any case, antinatalism is basically a philosophy, uh, for people who don't know that, okay, so we learned recently because we went to a lecture, uh, from uh, this organization called the Death Party, which is a, uh, a group of people. They end, I think it's like the last Sunday of every month, and they meet at the bike stop in Center City. And uh, it's basically a meetup where um, people come to talk about, it's about death positivity, and people come together just to talk about our experiences with death and really think about death in a way that is a part of life um, and not something to be shied away from or afraid to be discussed and um, talked about. Yeah, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I yeah. think it was a great meeting. It was a really great meeting. We had, like, they even have, like, a share part of the meeting when you first get there, and it was really informative. Um, uh a gentleman was there who um, shared his mother just recently passed away and he was just talking about, um, you know, just the realities of like how much it costs when you die. And and we were even talking about um, how you can't uh, even be just buried in the ground in Pennsylvania without a coffin. And apparently there's a coffin lobbyist who is connected with our state senators that is making it hard for people to opt out of um, being buried in a coffin, which I didn't even realize was a thing. 
Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. With, there was also... Because why would you? Because people don't talk about this stuff. Yeah, no one talks about it. Um, so you get, like, screwed with the fucking bill when somebody dies. Yeah, I mean, by the the other thing I thought was interesting, he was talking... So basically this um, person spent, like, $14,000 on... Um, his mother's death and you know taking care of everything and um they even already had a plot already paid for as well um and they were uh saying that you have to have like a death certificate for to close all sorts of things like bank accounts credit cards blah 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 and you have to have a separate death certificate for each of those and you have to buy them and they're twenty dollars each like so you end up spending so horrible you end up spending like $400 just on like death, death certificates. Um, and yeah, just like all those little kind of things I thought was like, um, it was interesting. And then there was a mortician got up to speak and she was enthusiastic, um, about doing like a natural, um, open casket viewing without embalming. And it was a person who had been dead for like 14 days and they used all these, like, I don't know what they, how they naturally go about it. Apparently there's, it is a science to it, but, uh, a lot of the family, family members lived in Puerto Rico. So that's why it was like a long time from the time the person died and they were able to have an open casket and um, the person had been dead for 14 days and it was like a successful, it, di- it wasn't, shoot, they were like, it didn't smell, it was, excess, you know, they didn't. wasn't all nasty. It wasn't nasty and it was a uh, celebratory type of um, funeral and. And yeah, she was saying too, like family members can dress their own, their own people like their own dead they can dress them and prepare mm-hmm. the body and stuff and i guess that's not something that's normally done in you know american funeral homes yeah um so and anyway so those were all interesting and then we that led into they they usually have then a lecture or talk after that and the, it was on frankenstein's mary shelley's frankenstein and paralleling that narrative to um antinatalism which is, I mean, so I this I was saying this is like my third lecture I've gone um, to about Frankenstein. I went to a Frankenstein and climate change. I went to a Frankenstein and transgender um, lecture before, and then this was um, antinatalism. And the thing is, it is such an incredible book, and there is so much to glean from it. It's amazing, and Mary Shelley. Um, we also got like some biograph, uh, but some background on, um, Mary Shelley at the lecture as well. It's an incredible woman. Happy International Women's Day to Mary Shelley, by the way. Shout out. Um, and, uh, and that background too illuminated a lot, uh, about the book and what the, the ponderings that she was bringing into the characters we were talking um, that Mary Shelley relates to the monster, her personal character and what she brings into it. It's definitely relating to um, the monster more so than uh, Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein is more like an anti-hero. And right. um, yeah, I read the book for the first time too. After my, I was like, the, the, this is the third lecture I'm going to. I've been meaning to read Frankenstein since I was like in high school. It's just one of those books that I always meant to read, but I never did. 
And because yeah. there's so many movies made about it, it's kind of like, what's the point of reading it? Right. What's the point of it? Right. Well, there is a lot of point to it because I, there's a lot. There's a. It's you're re you're reading like the thoughts of the characters more so than watching them react to circumstances on the screen. You're getting the internal dialogue of everything, which is why I think I recommend reading it for that reason. Who cares? And I'm just kidding. No, and I like that um, too. I actually had recently audiobooked um, Paradise Lost, John Milton's Paradise Lost. And in the book Frankenstein, Frankenstein the Monster, when he's learning how to read, one of the first books he reads is Paradise Lost. And the book actually, Frankenstein echoes with Paradise Lost, like the whole creation myth, obviously, because um, he's this, like, he's uh he's adam and or as um uh the book is titled uh the modern prometheus which is the greek myth about making a man from clay and breathing fire into him and um and then giving life and giving life and then furthermore um from the prometheus myth i feel like we were talking about this. I thought antinatalism like originated in like from Aristotle or the Greek um, philosophers, um, but they were saying that this was a recent term, like somewhere around the twentieth century, and the term antinatalism is applied to the philosophy, right? Which is not about not having children. Basically, believing that creating of life is in, is morally wrong uh, because for a certain set of reasons, one being when you create a uh, human life, you are not, you are doing so without consent. Um, it's impossible to get consent. Yeah, it's impossible to give consent. Uh, you are creating, um, by creating another human being, you are thus then harming them because harm is an inevitable part of life. Uh, you, you are just, um, furthering creating pain and suffering onto another human being. Um, what were some of the other things? I'm, I feel like I've been talking too much. Um, I should have probably like looked them up. You said two of the, the main ones that um, that are important to me. I think my main, the main draw for me with antinatalism is the fact that, you know, you can't, it's impossible to ever get consent from someone before creating them. And like, I don't really, I don't personally believe that it is wrong to make children, but I think that it's a perspective that people don't consider that really should be considered. And I think it's irresponsible to decide to have children without considering a perspective like this exactly and well and the other thing is yeah and it's it's strange to me that so many people don't consider this stuff before having children right uh, but it's also po possibly a lot of it is maybe classist because i'm a educated person um 
so I don't know, knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you think about this shit. There's a lot of people who don't really have a choice like that because they either are, they don't have a good sex education or they come from a different cultural background where that's just not, um, they don't have a choice where it's like, you know, um, you're pretty much, it's pretty much, um, forced into you to breed, breed, breed. But, um, so I'm just like checking my privilege on those points of areas, but like anyone who's like a peer of mine who has children and doesn't think about these things beforehand, I'm highly suspect of them. I don't under, I, I, I'm highly judgmental of them, which is why I think I'm like, because I was thinking, I was like, well, I don't think it's morally wrong to have children. So I'm not antinatalist, but I actually just to, to be honest, I do judge people who have children. So I feel like that does make me sort of antinatalist. Um, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. And, um, I, I hate to say, like, I, there's people, I mean, obviously I'm someone's child. My parents chose to have children. Mm -hmm. Um, I, however, I don't think that life is just this beautiful gift. I think that, I mean, I know that there's inevitable suffering in life and there's just inevitable, like discomfort and Mm -hmm. inevitable fear. And life comes with like the constant fear of annihilation. So you're always afraid of death every single day person mm-hmm. you know from the time you realize you're a person you're like oh my god I'm gonna die and like that in itself is a constant suffering even if like nothing else bad happens in your life but like you have no way of knowing what's gonna happen to like this entire human being this conscious being that you create and if you don't it, I, I just think that it's important now I think we're self-aware enough and like as you said there's a portion of society, you know, has access to birth control and like better education than ever before. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the people that do have that need to take that seriously and really, really consider like, you know, is, am I somebody who can feel like I can, like if you can create somebody and do your absolute best to build them into a person that can like get through life I don't know. There's the thing is you have never any control over what your kid's going to be like and mm-hmm. what their experience will be. And, uh, that's the whole point I think of this philosophy. I also, I feel like watching these elections made me more like I, if I had a child watching these elections and as desperate as I feel about our climate and watching these elections, I am feeling very blackpilled, like we're not going to change anything. I would feel even worse if I had a child because they will see the end of the fucking world. <laughs> that, that's what I think. That's, that's why I think this way. And that is why I, I but, really, like, yeah, I mean, over the past few years, I really, I have gone in the past five years from thinking like, yeah, like climate change will happen. Like things will be okay though. Mm -hmm. To like now, I feel like if you choose to have a child, like you need to really think about that. There was another person. You think about it as a realistic eventuality. There was was a a podcast I was listening to. It's called the death panel. And um, one of the um, people on it, they were phone banking and um, they were phone banking in California before the super Tuesday. And they were talking to this woman and they didn't, they were going to vote for Pete Buttigieg, but they actually, uh, didn't even know that he dropped out. Like, so they, they just found out through them calling them 
And then, yeah. and then they were freaking out because they were like, well, look, like, honestly, I just want to make a vote that's best for my children. My, and they were saying that their son's like eight years old and he's so, um, he has such uh, anxiety about climate change that he like wets to bed. Like he's yeah. like so afraid yeah. about the climate. And so she's just like, who do I vote for? That's like for the climate. You know, because I just want to help my son feel, like, a little bit better about the future. Yeah, I mean, so children today are really affected by it. Like, more so than we were. I would have been terrified. Like, more so than we were. Because we we, we grew up in the, like, 80s, 90s. And, like, I remember in the 90s, we were literally only just starting to talk about recycling. Like, you know? And... And it was, like, recycling was, like, a weird thing. So, like, imagine a child today, like, the anxiety that is on their shoulders, like, uh, about the impending thing. And they have no voice because they, they can't vote. Like, they, they, they're, they like, completely helpless. So, yeah, I yeah. would be have anxiety and be wetting to bed, too, if I was, like, eight yep. years old watching the news. But, like... Yep. Um, so, I mean, th- just those type of things. But I also, I want to link that to, like, Frankenstein, which I thought was really interesting, is there was also, like, a, um, Frankenstein's, like, a lot about um, climate anxiety as well, which I thought was interesting okay. because there was, like, uh, like they're escaping to the polar ice caps in the, right. you know, there it takes place in the Swiss Alps. There's a lot about nature. Then there's also about, like, you know, um, unseasonable weather and how weather affects, um, you, you know, your, your day-to-day life experience. Like when the monster Frankenstein is like living in the woods in the winter, like the cold is pain and he's like learning how to exist in, in nature and the world. And, um, it's, it deals a lot about with the cold, like pain and suffering and, um, and, uh, just trying to survive and then they escape and then there's like the he's like making Frankenstein follow him into the polar ice caps to torture him essentially and to slowly starve him to death because no human can live in the frozen north and they were saying that when this book was written it was um in during the summer um they said it was um, in Europe. It was what, what was it? Eighteen, nineteen, eighteen? Was it nineteen eighteen sure. or eighteen eighteen? I think it was eighteen eighteen. Anyway, yeah, it was. I think that that book was like two hundred years ago. It was the year without a summer. That's what they right. called it because there was a volcanic uh, eruption. I think it was in Italy. Um, this is you know not accurate probably, but um, it it clouded the atmosphere to a point where there was no summer and everyone was afraid of climate change in the sense of uh, freezing. And people right. did back then were even having anxiety about um, overpopulation. Um, okay. even in, you know, and considering that's laughable because the, our, the world population has tripled like since then. But, um, that was also an anxiety during like the Victorian age was that overpopulation was eventually going to like, um, you know, be the end of human life on earth. Um, which it, it will be, um, that is what will happen. But <laughs> yeah, and I mean, whether it'll be, oh, there are- What's that? Build. 
then the earth will just remake life. Oh yeah, no, the earth fucked it up. Yeah, I mean it's just human life won't um, exist, and or and all the poor's, all the poor's will die on Earth when all the richies will um, build spaceships and space stations. Oh, right. What's that? I said right. Yeah, actually, Jeff Bezos is already like um, investing in outer space building. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I know, yeah, that's it's what a I reality. Say. It's a reality. I know. Um, so and Carl is like so optimistic. He's like, "Oh my God, we're gonna be bringing back like all those resources. Like everybody thinks we're gonna be fine, and the technology is gonna save us." And I'm like, "Carl, like you're so optimistic, and it's very sweet, but like, no, it's not. And we're not gonna be getting anything from space. Like, just the really rich people are gonna be benefiting from that. We are just gonna yeah. be left here to die." Um, another, oh, a really good book that, uh, you should read and it's not that long. Um, oh my God, now I'm blanking on it. Um, it's a, Ursula K. Le Guin and it starts with a D. Why am I blanking on it? Um, Dick. Uh, <laughs> but it's about a, uh, anarchist um society that exists on the moon so apparently like the uh it's a science fiction obviously apparently earth like uh got to a point where it they shot people off to the moon as an experiment to like colonize the moon but the moon is actually like really horrible to like live on so it's like a bunch of oh my god it starts with a d the dispossessed that's what it's called um and so then there's like this anarchist colony starts on the moon but they're like so but the two societies are very separate and the earth is like overly decadent like consumer capitalist also like way backward thinking like traditional female male roles like patriarchy extreme and then the moon is like worker anarchist communities but it kind of functions like communism like because everyone's kind of assigned jobs assigned careers um and having like a family is um i could really get into the the whole dynamics of the book it's really interesting um you should read it but my point being uh it's it's kind of like a realistic for me, a realistic um, dystopia future of like thinking of what would it be like if human beings, uh, the way our capitalist earth like works, if we did colonize on the moon. And it would be like this really depressing book that you should read. Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm also like remembering it. I read it like, like five years ago. So I'm also like um, half remembering it now. But just thinking about it, I always think about it in this term of like, um ordering different societies and different cultures um well like the one interesting thing about the anarchist um society on the moon was like people you couldn't um there was no such there was no such thing as ego like you were you you like you were committed anyone who thought about individuality in any way or ego in any way were considered like you know a um rebel or outcast of the community and like the the protagonist of the book is a scientist and like i really i'm barely grasping at what it was he was studying i feel like it was something about time travel or like um space travel like 
like traveling at the speed of light and there was something like you figured out i don't know i'm not it's i'm not get it's not coming to me anyway but like this made him an outcast in the community on on the moon and it's one of the reasons why he ends up traveling to earth to gain more knowledge but instead he sees this like disgusting decadent society um yeah it's interesting anyway um but yeah so anti-natalism frankenstein also like what you deal with in the book from the perspective of frankenstein the scientist like his um that you can get a spur to the philosophy is his regret as the moment he creates the monster like he regrets creating this life and he sees he only sees after like what the consequences of his actions Right, you don't, like, pre think about it. Um, yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Um, uh, he's just, like, absolutely disgusted. And also his his um, his uh, motivations for, for creating Frankenstein is, is literally, it's all ego. It's all, like, wanting to be remembered as this great scientist. He's, like, driven by... Um, uh, his ego, he's driven by, um, yeah, his ego, basically. Um, which is, like, I feel like also kind of, like, if you're having children, look, I thought about having children. I, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Like, having children, um, for me is a way to pass on my DNA. It's a way to, it's our, like, little ticket into immortality that's i that's the way that i think most people the reason why they procreate like so um in in that sense you relate to frankenstein the scientist and why he wants to create this monster um he doesn't see it as a monster beforehand he just sees it as a way to continue on his legacy and um and to be remembered as this like brilliant scientist so um, yeah, I don't know. I do know. I know everything. I'm a know-it-all. You are a fucking know-it-all and a bitch. Uh, what, what else do you, what do you want to add to anti-natalism, Marine? Well, I'm kind of like looking for something to read to you. I don't know. I guess, um. Is that your phone dying or my phone dying? No, my phone's not dying. My phone's at 10%. There was a noise. A noise? Yeah, a noise just happened. A noise happened, huh? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it was. Neither do I, but my phone's at 10%. Oh, my phone is fine. I really wish I took a picture of that. Maybe I did. Did I? I'm so, so silly. Um, at that meeting, the woman put up a really great uh, little synopsis of antinatalism. And um, did I take a picture of it? I might have. Uh, I forget her last nope. name. Her first name's Kelly, though. I feel bad we don't. Which also, I'm probably going to be hanging out with them, actually. Because yeah, where? her partner, I don't know if they're married or if it's her boyfriend. I don't know. Well, the thing is, now that I'm feeling sick, I was going to have them over to watch the debates because they like Bernie, of course. 
Uh-huh. And, um, but now that I'm feeling sick, I'm probably going to undo that because I don't want to get them sick. But, uh, yeah, her partner works at the library. So then they saw me doing these library performances. So then we all became friends on the internet. So. That is awesome. Yeah. They seem like really interesting people. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I'll just like highlight an antinatalism the idea of um, well, we'll talk about the impossibility of consent first. So, okay. this is a this is just Wikipedia. It's talking about um, an author, Schiffer, Shana Shana Schifrin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's Schifrin correct. Four factors, in her opinion, to make the justification for having hypothetical consent. What? Schifrin lists four factors that, in her opinion, makes justification for having hypothetical consent to procreation a problem. All right, so this person argues that procreation is morally problematic because the impossibility of obtaining consent from the human who will be brought into be, to, into existence. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dad. The justification for having hypothetical consent is... To, for hypothetical consent procreation is a problem because, one, great harm is not at stake if the action is not taken. If the action is taken of making the person, the harms suffered by the created person can be very severe. Three, a person cannot escape the imposed condition without very high cost. Suicide is often a physically, emotionally, and morally excruciating option. Four, the hypothetical consent procedure is not based on the values of the person who will bear the imposed conditions. So there's no way of knowing how they feel, mm-hmm. the person that you're, like, making. Um, I didn't ask before, then, uh, Dad. Huh? Right? I, didn't, I know. I, I didn't mean, ask. a lot of people, like, these ideas make a lot of people very uncomfortable. Like, when I was just Googling antinatalism there's a lot of articles that are like sort of looking at it as like this threat like there's these people who think babies are bad like these people are coming for your babies like it seriously is like that um but really i think that it's important to think of it as just like this is something that you really should consider and think about and i Mm -hmm. think that it's hard for people to swallow because they don't want to like they know in their hearts that like life is hard and they Mm -hmm. know that making a child is like that their child is going to suffer. And like, because people take it to like this positive place of like, I could never let anything happen to my child. I have to protect them. Like, but you are the one that put in this position. Yeah. Um, now I think beautiful things about life and you can choose to be like positive and and great, but like, that's usually just not how it happens at the end. And like, sorry, this has a hundred percent death rate. The other reason I think it is upsetting to people is because there's a, a very large number of people that don't talk about it that probably regret having a child. So there are because I yeah because I belong to like chats yeah uh huh. So those those people, if you already regret having the child and then you get into an antinatalist discussion, it's just going to be really triggering for you. It's going to be like yeah, upsetting. Yeah, because you have a lot of guilt. Yeah. And that's like the other thing I think I pair with antinatalism is that I think about personally 
is my not only that, but I think, what if I regret having the child? Like, what if I have this child and I totally fucking regret it? So then not only do they have this shit life, but they have a mom who doesn't really want them. Right. I mean, how do you know you 100% want a baby? I guess. Well, I mean, it's it's a hard decision. It's one of the most important decisions a person can make, and I think that they should take a look at all sides of the issue. Yeah, I mean, I've been touching my face this whole time, but I'm touching my face with my sweater. But that doesn't matter. I feel like that's worse. Oh, I but my I, I keep needing to touch my face. I mean, you're sitting in your house right now. You can touch your face. It's like when you're out on like septa. Yeah, but I'm in my house with my boyfriend who's sick. I mean, did you wash your hands since you, like... I've been spraying hand sanitizer on my hands, like, this whole time. I feel like you're all right, right for, for right now. Until you start go touching other things. This is why I you shouldn't have children, so that you don't bring another human being into the world who can't touch their face. It's torture. It is. I mean, honestly, that, though, like, as... As a person who is interested in Buddhism, like, the Buddha talks about, like, life is inevitably suffering. Mm -hmm. And people think that's, like, a negative perspective, and it's not. It's really more talking about that life every day. Like, life, first of all, like, you're going to, once you realize you're alive, you realize you're going to die. So that's suffering. Mm -hmm. But, like, also, it's just, like, the discomfort of, like, being hungry or, like, not being able to touch your face or stuff like that. Like, life is full of these little things. Mm -hmm. And, like, you have to, like, kind of learn to manage that suffering. But, like, because you're already here. You were saying, though, like, the, the way Eastern philosophy works, though, is that um, the, the Buddhist um, philosophy works, though, is that harm um, is actually a blessing because you don't know true happiness without knowing like the sadness, the bad parts. Like for instance, in the book Frankenstein, when when the monster like he experiences hunger for the first time, he experiences cold for the first time, but then he also um, through that experiences great pleasure in nature and you know, um, totally, like, absolutely appreciates, like, a beautiful spring day and the change of seasons, like, coming from the winter into the spring and the days getting longer and all of that. Like, the monster, like, goes through that um, experience. And would you be able to appreciate a nice spring day if you never experienced a cold, wet winter day? Well, you, yes, you are absolutely right about that. And I think that, like, not I think, but further for Eastern, for a lot of Eastern philosophy, um, that suffering is actually the key to, like, great spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, it, like, yes, it makes you appreciate the good things more, but it's also the key to, like, further spiritual growth. Um, and, yeah, but it's like, I guess, you know, is it worth it? Like, is it? Is it, I don't know, maybe as a person, as a, as a human being, being aware that life is suffering and like knowing that you have to like get through this life with all this suffering, like do you, once you realize that you could be imposing suffering on another person by creating them, like do you then choose to 
impose that suffering because for Buddhists as well, like, you know, you don't want, because all beings suffer, you want to minimize the suffering of yourself and all other sentient beings. So like you don't want to do action that causes suffering. Oh, so you're Um, saying Buddhists are antinatalists? No, nope, no. Um, I'm more just talking about like how I see it from, from the perspective of Buddhism. Okay. From my personal experience as a Westerner who just is self-taught about Buddhism. Uh, yeah, so you're like, this is the goop perspective. Oh, yeah, I am definitely the goop perspective of Buddha. <laughs> For fucking sure, yes. <laughs> well, is there anything it's else? It's a complex issue. It's been it's a it's, complex issue. I just don't want, I would like to represent it. Yeah. I think that it gets represented as this one-sided thing that, like, if you got sort of, like, are interested in this philosophy or agree with it in any way that you're like against babies or like you're pro abortion or like you want to have abortions or something. None of that is true. It's just that you really should think about, you know, uh, what, what really is life before you create a life. And Frankenstein is a perfect book for you to read. If you're, if you're contemplating this decision. Um, And you also mentioned, um, what was the angel and devil one? Paradise Lost. Paradise oh. Lost. Yeah. I, what I loved about, so with Paradise Lost, like, so in the book Frankenstein, because the monster reads Paradise Lost, he, he automatically assumes it's really beautiful. Actually, it's sad that, um, so Adam went through the same, um, desperation and loneliness that the monster was going through in Paradise Lost before Eve was made. And he asked God, like, why did you create me? I'm, like, all alone. And that's how God came to make Eve for Adam because Adam, like, was lonely. And that's literally – and it's so fucking sad. That's literally what Frankenstein the monster decides then what his creator should do for him is make him a bride. Um, And that's where the dilemma goes even deeper where Frankenstein the scientist then has the choice – to because he sees the side of the monster he like understands but that he's lonely because everyone rejects rejects him because he looks like a monster but if he creates another life is he then only again is he perpetuating this cycle are they gonna is he sure that frankenstein wouldn't kill people anymore if he gave him his bride how does he know the bride won't be like an evil sinister monster and how does he know that they won't go on breeding and then create a whole like, you know, um, race of evil Frankenstein monsters that then kill the entire planet? Like, how does he know that by this chain reaction of creating this life? So he decides inevitably um, against his own self-interest to not create Frankenstein's bride for him, um, which inevitably leads to his death. Um uh, but in any case, oh, I just gave away the whole book. But no, I didn't. You should read it. Um, but it's so sad in Paradise Lost when Adam is asking God, like, that he's, like, lonely. And, and then he creates Eve for him, and it's, like, this most perfect union, and it's, like, beautiful. And um, it's really... It's really sad that that's those are the parallels to me, like really 
was sad to me because I could understand that Frankenstein was coming at like why he wanted him to create a bride for him from reading the story of creation. It's just so fucking sad. Ugh. I mean, life is so fucking sad. These are like big life themes, just existential mm -hmm. themes. And that's why, that's why it's important to talk about like, okay, is this more, like, am I doing more harm by making a person? Am mm -hmm. I doing harm to them by putting them in a situation of, like, loneliness and, and wondering, of like, why am I here and why is it painful? And, you know, why do I struggle? And, um, you know, life is just inevitable change. And even that is painful for human beings. It's very painful. The passage of time is very painful. For There's also... Beings like genetics too like some people don't want to have children because uh certain mental illness runs in their family uh, that's true they may want know, to be like, mom or dad and they yeah. don't have children for those reasons yeah like there's Which is like a valid choice in my opinion mm -hmm. yeah um and then some people will be like that's eugenics <laughs> like, well that's no. the that's I mean, the slippery slope mental illness it's it's horrible and you can't just change it. You can't just decide no. you're going to be happy. And it's fucking awful. Just it's watch awful. Joker. And watch then, Joker. That's definitely a reason. <laughs> a valid one. Yeah. Uh, I. That's the slippery slope when you get into these conversations is that somehow it comes up like eugenics. Like, right. um, you know, again, another reason... I cho I'm like not choosing to have children. I'm leaning towards that is uh, because, well, I'm 38, so I'm old, but also because of overpopulation. Like the world is overpopulated, okay? And uh, I don't have a lot of money. I have the choice to not have a kid. So why, like no one needs me to be having a child. Right. Um, but, like, when I start talking like that, it's, like, then you get in the discussion. I was, like, oh, well, is this then inevitably are we, by me not having a child, and I'm, am I enabling more just rich people to have children or expressing that idea that wealthy, only wealthy people should have children? Because that's not right, true. That, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a slippery slope. Yeah. Two. Well, I don't think only wealthy people should be having children, obviously. Um but being poor is a, not an easy childhood. It's not fucking, nope. you know, and even in the U.S., like, even, you know, I'm not even talking about living in a third world country. I can't even a, imagine what it's like for those children. Um, but I'm talking about poverty in the USA. It's not fun. Um so I don't want to bring up a child in that because inevitably if I had a child, it, I would be raising them in poverty. I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, so I mean everyone, but then, yeah, I start, if I start saying that opinion, then some of my other friends who are poor living paycheck to paycheck who have children think that I'm looking down on them, you know, which is right. not the case it's just very hard to have these types of conversations about anti-natalism extremely <laughs> personal and yeah. i think these decisions do come from these like very it comes from a very primal place and i personally and i like like to highlight this in these conversations 
I do not have any drive whatsoever and never have to have to have babies yeah. or children. I am not attracted to babies. Like they're cute. I do. I'm like, Oh my God. Especially like now that I'm like older, like I do have more of that like cuteness, like drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like comes out for me with animals more like that's what I'm like. I'll be like, like I was, all right, we went, me and Carl went to tractor supply yesterday to get, um, to get cat litter. And I almost started crying in the store because they had baby chicks there and they were so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I do get like those type of feelings, but like I have never felt like this motherly like gut wrenching. I need to have a baby feeling, and mm-hmm. I know that like many many people do, mm-hmm. and that is impossible to ignore for them. It's like yeah. me trying to ignore the fact that I'm like hungry for food. You know, it's it's really that deep. And that, but, like, intense, I think. And you just have to be careful about having these conversations and how it can manipulate people, though. That's the other thing. Like, I do think that sometime in the future there will be a mandate on how many children you can have. Inevitably, it's going to happen. Inevitably, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. There's not going to be enough food on the planet for the amount of the population. So, yeah, except we might be dead before then. Oh, we will be dead. I mean, all, all the people. All we'll, the people. Oh, all the people might be dead, but we'll definitely be dead. I don't think we'll see a child mandate in our lifetime, but there will be eventually if the world keeps going, a, a, there, there will have to be a child mandate. But like, um, and if you think about it like that, like, well, what will that entail? Like, will it be like n- poors can't have children, so only rich people procreate? That would be fucked up. But it's kind of like that now if you think about it. It already is. It's yes, yeah, it is. I mean, there's no like official imposed rules on things like that, but like there's yeah, there's a we have a strong class system now in America, and yeah, only I mean, you can have a baby if you're poor, you can have babies, but like, I uh, you know, it's just like the outcome isn't necessary. It's just if you can't buy them school. Like, the outcome is probably not going to be as good as a rich mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Who can be bought the things that they need to be rich themselves and provide for themselves. Like, if you come from nothing, like, in our society anymore, you're not working. There's no bootstraps anymore. You're done. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And that's the, the harsh reality. And people can say, like, I'm not going to think that way about my baby. Like, that's great. Good for you. Good for you. I just don't think the outlook is so great right now. For, uh, like, life. Oh, no. No. It's just not. It's not worth it. But, um, yeah, congratulations to everybody who's had babies so far in 2020. <laughs> Welcome to the world, babies. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I guess that would be, we should wrap it up, but I guess my closing thought on antinatalism is, um, my summation of the philosophy would be, it's just not worth it. Antinatalism. It's just not worth it. Life is a bitch and then you die. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just touched my face. Anyway. You got it now. I got got it. CV. I got the CV. Uh, I got the CV and the HPV, y'all. Oh shit! Oh shit! I got, got both. I got both the CV and the HPV, y'all. Yeah, you know me. Vote Bernie Sanders. 
For the love of God, please. I mean, me and you, Bernie Sanders. All right, yeah. well. Goodbye. Ma Salama. Ma Salama, Maureen. Thank you. Was that um, some Arabic? That was some Arabic. It means it means peace be with you. Ma Salama. Ma Salama. Ma a Salama. Ma a Salama. Yep. Peace you, be with you. You got it. Thank you for teaching me that. You're welcome. I don't know you're welcome yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, gracias. De nada. <laughs> De nada. I forget. We used to go in high school. You go. De nada. De nada. I was just telling telling Carl the story of usted, usted. Okay. My voice yeah, is no, dead. No one knows what we're talking about. Masalama. Bye. Bye. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. Podcast. Doo-doo-loo. Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Whorehouse on the hill. From Delco. Everybody's gonna wanna be up in that shorts.